Welcome back to our study of First Kings. We are in First Kings chapter 15 today. We're looking at verses 1 through 8. And in those verses, we are going to read about the reign of a man named Abijam, who was the son of Rehoboam. So remember, um, Saul was the first king of Israel, and then David, and then Solomon, and then because of Solomon's sin, because of his idolatry, God divided the nation of Israel into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom, which was the kingdom of Judah, and the southern kingdom went to a descendant of David, a son of Solomon, named Rehoboam, and the northern kingdom of ten tribes was given to a man named Jeroboam. Now, Jeroboam was also guilty of idolatry. He set up a golden calf, two golden calves actually, one in the southern part of his kingdom, one in the northern part of his kingdom, uh, in Dan and Beersheba, and uh, led the people to commit idolatry. And uh, under Rehoboam in the nation of Judah, uh, we saw a similar thing happen. Uh, it doesn't tell us explicitly whether or not Rehoboam led in the idolatry that occurred, uh, although there is at least a hint of that. Um, but whether he was leading in it or not, it was certainly not only going on, but rampant. And um, we're going to see now what is going to happen in the next generation as uh, Rehoboam's uh, kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, is passed on to his son Abijam. Now, things get a little tricky in here uh, because of a couple of reasons. One is the similarity of the names, right? So you've got Jeroboam and Rehoboam already, who were king at this, kings at the same time. Um, and Jeroboam had a son named Abijah, and Rehoboam has a son named Abijam. So a uh, very slight difference there, right? And you'll notice um, that the uh, dates of some of the reigns of these kings are counted uh, based on the reign of of another king, right? So, uh, for example, we're going to see here that um, Abijam began to reign uh, over Judah, and he reigned, uh, began to reign during the 18th year of King Jeroboam, who's the king of Israel, and Abijam is the king now of Judah. So it gets a little confusing. If you can't keep track of all of it, don't worry too much. I'll try to keep it as um, easy to follow as I can. But what we're going to look at today is the legacy of David and Rehoboam and how Abijam measures up uh, against those two legacies. That's what this text is about. So as we're reading this text, uh, be thinking about that, thinking about the legacy of King David and the legacy of Solomon and Rehoboam. All right, so 1 Kings 15, 1-8 says, Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, Abijam began to reign over Judah. He reigned for three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Ma'akah, the daughter of Abishalom. And he walked in all the sins that his father did before him. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. Nevertheless, for David's sake... 
The Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, setting up his son after him and establishing Jerusalem. Because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. And the rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. And Abijam slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his place. So uh, we're told in verse 1, it was the 18th year of King Jeroboam. So Jeroboam has been reigning in Israel, the northern kingdom, for 18 years uh, when Rehoboam dies, Rehoboam the son of Solomon, who had been reigning in Judah, and so now his reign passes to his son Abijam, as we were told at the end of chapter 14, and now we see the description of that reign here in chapter 15. So Abijam began to reign over Judah in the 18th year of Jeroboam. So Jeroboam's an established king. Abijam is now a new king. Verse 2 says he reigned for three years in Jerusalem. So fairly short time uh, that he was king. Uh, we're told of his mother. His mother's name was Ma'akah, the daughter of Abishalom. And then verse 3 says, here's the key, and he walked in all the sins that his father did before him, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. So Rehoboam um, had sinned against the Lord. Rehoboam had not been faithful to the Lord. And we saw um, last time some of the things that went on during Rehoboam's reign uh, back in chapter 14, that they were committing idolatry, they were provoking the Lord to jealousy, there were cult prostitutes, there was uh, pillars and high places and asherim all over the place. Um, and they were doing all the abominable things that uh, the nations had been doing. And so um, Judah was in rebellion against God. They were not walking in God's ways. And again, though we're not told that Rehoboam, we're not told explicitly that Rehoboam led out in that, um, because Rehoboam was the king, he probably at least was going along with it, and perhaps he was complicit, perhaps he even let out in some of those things. We're, we're not, we don't know for sure um, based on what we're told here. But we are told in verse 3 of, of our chapter, chapter 15, that uh, now Abijam walked in the sins that his father did before him. So whatever ways Rehoboam had been sinning against the Lord in his time as king, now Abijam is repeating his same errors. He's following in his father's footsteps and in this instance, that is not a good thing. Right, so he walked in all the sins that his father did before him. And it says, his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God. So he was not totally faithful to the Lord. He was not 100% committed to the Lord. He was not wholly true to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. So David is sort of the, the measuring rod, the gold standard, if you will, of kingship in Israel, and Abijam does not measure up. Right Now, David was not a perfect king, as we're going to be reminded here in just a moment. It's not saying that David was a perfect king, but David was a godly king. 
And so the question is, is this, this king, whether we're in this chapter or a later chapter, as the story unfolds of the nations of Israel and Judah, is this king going to be like David? Or is he going to be like Jeroboam? Or is he going to be like one of the other kings that sinned against the Lord? And these legacies <clears throat> echo down through the history of Israel, and kings are going to be measured or labeled according to uh, what legacy they follow and um, who they are imitating and who they are uh, uh, acting like and whose footsteps they're walking in. And so in this case, we're told he walked in the footsteps of his father, Rehoboam, who sinned against the Lord, and he is not the kind of king that David was. He's not a king who is wholly true uh, to the Lord his God. So um, that's the, the, in other words, the legacy of Rehoboam is living on in his son Abijam. And um, that's not good. Um, that's that's um, a problem for Judah, and that's a problem for Abijam. So um, verse 4, though, says, Nevertheless, for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, setting up his son after him and establishing Jerusalem. So um, he says, even though... Abijam walked in the footsteps of his father Rehoboam, even though Abijam was not totally true to the Lord, even though Abijam was sinning against the Lord, uh, God nevertheless put Rehoboam's son on the throne of Judah. And the way it describes this at first is it says that the Lord is God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem. Now, that language has been used before, earlier in this book, in uh, chapter 11, verse 36. Uh, it says, uh, this is talking about um, Solomon, right? And, and the fallout of Solomon's sin. It says, yet to his son, I will give one tribe that David, my servant, may always have a lamp. There's that language again. Always have a lamp before me in Jerusalem, the city where I have chosen to put my name. So even in the midst of Abijam's sin, we have this reminder here of God's faithfulness to David and faithfulness to his promises to David that he would always have a son sitting upon his throne, um, even though... Now he's had not only Solomon who was unfaithful and Rehoboam who was unfaithful and now Abijam who's been unfaithful. Nevertheless, the Lord in his mercy and faithfulness is going to continue to place one of David's sons upon his throne um, for David's sake. Right, So for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, setting up his son after him and establishing Jerusalem, the place where God said he would put his name, the place where the temple was, where he was to be worshipped. And, and notice why he says he did this. Verse 5, because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So... Now we've got um, the uh, you know, Rehoboam's legacy and uh, David's legacy um, being contrasted here. Abijam is, is following Rehoboam's legacy, but David's legacy continues to live on. David's legacy continues 
to um, impact the uh, history of the nation of Judah and God is still working for good in Judah for David's sake because of David's disobedience even though now we're what three generations removed from David as king. So um, notice what he says about David. David was uh, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. So it, it, we talked about this earlier that uh, when it talks about how faithful David was, when it talks about what a great king David was, when it talks about how true to the Lord David was, that, that's not overlooking or ignoring David's sin. Right? Uh, and this is one of the clearest examples, if not the clearest example, um, or the, the chief example, perhaps, uh, of that, um, is that it's, it's making clear, I, I don't mean that he never sinned, right? Because he brings up the matter of Uriah the Hittite, who he had murdered because David had committed adultery with his wife, with, with Uriah's wife Bathsheba, uh, and there was a child that came of that. Uh, adulterous relationship. And so David sinned grievously against the Lord. But what David did that some of these other kings did not do is that when he was rebuked for his sin, he turned to the Lord. He repented. He asked for mercy. Remember when Jeroboam uh, was uh, leading in idolatry and a prophet came and rebuked him, uh, what did Jeroboam do? Did he get rid of all the idols and turn back to the Lord? No, he just kept on in his idolatry. Um, and so this king, um, Abijam, uh, Rehoboam, the same way, as far as we know, they just continue in their sin. They never repent. They never ask for mercy. They never, they never turn back to the Lord. But David, when he did sin, he turned back to the Lord. His heart remained faithful and true to the Lord even when he had sinned he turned back to God and he asked for mercy and it's because of that that God is continuing to bless uh, the nation of Judah or continuing the line rather of David um, in the in the tribe of Judah uh, continuing to give them a, a king from David's line to sit upon uh, their throne. So it's worth pausing there and thinking for a moment about the significance of the legacies that we leave. Now, you and I are not David, right? We don't, God made a special covenant with David that was unique. Um, and that's, you know, that's not true of us. Um, and so there's, there's some significant differences between what God is doing with David and what, uh, what uh, we might expect him to do for us. But the, the principle here of how one generation influences the next is something that is significant and that we see consistently in Scripture and that we need to pay attention to and that we need to think about in our own lives is that the, the way that we live has the potential to influence the generations that come after us for good or for ill we will leave some kind of legacy behind. And what is that legacy going to be? Are we going to walk in the ways of the Lord so that after us, uh, generations that come after us, people can say either they walked in the footsteps of their fathers and that was a good thing, or that they walked in the footsteps of their fathers and that was a bad thing. 
if if we uh, what we want to do is we want to walk in the ways of the Lord. We want to be faithful. We want to tell the next generation about the works of the Lord, about the goodness of God. We want to share the gospel with them. We want to point them to Jesus and point them to the scriptures. Um, and we, we want to labor and pray for their good in the hopes that they will follow um, our legacy uh, right and and even build on our legacy and uh, that they would be even more faithful to the Lord uh, than we have been. That's what we want for our kid, not only for our own kids, but for the the whole generation coming up after us, um, especially in our churches. Right, we want the next group of kids and and young people who are growing up to to uh, grow and, and be faithful to the, to the Lord and to believe the gospel and to trust and to, uh, to walk in His ways. So we want to pray for that. We want to work for that. But another thing it's important to notice is that um, we don't have control over what the next generation does, even if we leave a good legacy behind. Right? Because David left a godly legacy. He did some things wrong. But when he did, he repented, he sinned, uh, or when he sinned, he repented, right? But from David came Solomon, and what happened to Solomon? He was unfaithful in the end, and then Rehoboam was not faithful, and then Abijam wasn't faithful. That didn't start with David being unfaithful. David was true to the Lord, right? Even though he made some big mistakes and sinned in some serious ways, um, he was a godly man. And yet his son Solomon, who was a, a wise man, a gifted man, um, who the Lord spoke to, he went astray. And then after him, um, others went astray. Uh, when we get to the next part of chapter 15, next time, Lord willing, um, we'll see that in the next generation, after Abijam, the next king does what is good. And that wasn't because of Abijam's influence. That was because of the Lord's mercy. So uh, we don't have control over what the next generation uh, will do after us. But what we do want to do is leave a godly legacy in the hopes that by God's mercy, they will follow in our footsteps to whatever degree we've been faithful. And we hope that they will be even more faithful than we are. Now let's finish up here. Um, verses 6 through 8 it says, Now there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam all the days of his life. The rest of the acts of Abijam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And there was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. And Abijam slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his place. So there was war between Rehoboam and Jeroboam. There was war between Abijam and Jeroboam. In other words, there was perpetual conflict between the northern and southern kingdom. These are people who not long ago were one nation, right? United under David and then under Solomon. They have now been divided and um, they are, there's hostility between them. Um, and all of this has come as a result of Solomon's sin, of Solomon's idolatry, of Solomon's failure to finish well, of Solomon's failure to be totally true to the Lord all the way to the end of his life. So there's a, another warning there for us, right? That um, we, we cannot coast, right? We need to press on, like Paul says in Philippians 3, 
press on to know the Lord. We need to, uh, like he says in, in 2 Timothy 4, we need to finish our course, run all the way to the finish line, be faithful to the Lord all the way to the end, because our lives, what we do, how we live, um, has the potential to impact our children, our family, and even beyond that, um, again, for good or for ill. And we want to be people who leave behind a godly legacy in the hopes that many, again, will follow that legacy and build on it for their good and for the glory of God. Amen.